Open up your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to say hi to everybody that's engaged online with us this morning, man, and stay connected. Thank you for doing that. 2 Timothy is in the New Testament, and so if you're still learning your way around the Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. Old Testament starts with Genesis, New Testament starts with Matthew, and so 2 Timothy is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, you'll keep going, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, keep going, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy. Now, this was a letter that was written by a guy named Paul who wrote like a third of the New Testament or half somewhere around in there. And so he was writing to this young minister named Timothy. He was mentoring him. I think he wrote this from prison. I think he wrote this letter from prison. Paul did. And so he's mentoring Timothy, writing this letter to him, giving him instructions, just some things that you would know about Timothy, that he became a pastor. We believe that he pastored the church at Ephesus, which was like a mega church. It's actually the church that Mary, the mother of Jesus, went to the last years of her life. It's also the one that the apostle John went to when he was released from the Isle of Patmos. And so he was a significant person in the early church that God used, even in the, in the eyes of, in the lives of eyewitnesses of Jesus. And so he's writing this. And so when you hear this kind of read this kind of from a man that's in a fatherly position to this young man, but also read it as if it's intended for you. Okay. So in second Timothy chapter three, verse 14, it says this, it says, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. Telling Timothy that, you know, that, you know, no matter what goes on in your life, remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they are true. Well, how does he know they're true? He tells me, he says, for you know you can trust those who taught you. So you know they're true because you, you, you know the people that taught you this. The people that were flawed themselves, the people that made mistakes themselves, but you still know them. And you know, in things like this, matters like this, you can trust them. You know they are true to those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, everybody say all Scripture. All Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture is inspired by God. And is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, Scripture, He uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Now, periodically from time to time, we talk about Scripture, we talk about the value of the Bible in here because it's so significant in our walk, and most of the time, I don't want to say all the time, but at least most of the time, this is a passage I will use because it's so central, it's so foundational to who we are and to Christians, what God has called us to do. And there's so many misunderstandings about this book from the beginning of time that one of the attacks of the enemy has been to attack the integrity of what God has said. In the Garden of Eden, he looked at Eve and he said, has God said? In other words, did he really say this? Will he really do this? And that's been one of the things that he's done from the beginning. So when he says that all scripture, all scripture has been inspired by God, that that word inspired there literally means God breathed. That his breath is upon this book. Now, there's another time that the, the breath of God is talked about. It's in Genesis 1. I'm sorry, Genesis 2. And it says when God made man, that he made him, 
But then he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And when he breathed in him, he became a living soul. That the breath of God made him uncommon, unique, different. God's breathed, this is inspired by God, it's God breathed, and so this is an uncommon book. It's been inspired by God. Now, we live in a world where we have so much information I, I, you know, at, at our fingertips, and, you know, and not all of it's true, but we live in a world, we have, we have so much of that, that again, today is no different than it's been from the beginning of time, that there's just an attack on, can you trust this? Can you trust it? And one of the reasons why the attack is, is there's such a fervent attack on it is because when we begin to talk about God speaking to us, his voice in our life, that the main way, the way that he speaks to us most frequently is from this book. That it's the thing that every other leading that we believe that we have of him, that this is, it's measured by this book. A number of false religions have started that have declared things that are different than this book declares and had the person that received the revelation of that so-called truth measured it through the words in this book, they wouldn't have been led astray and led millions of people astray as a result. But this book is unique. It's uncommon. It's not like any other book. If you're taking notes, number one is this, is that God reveals who he is through his word. He feels who he is through his word. He, he breathed the breath of life into it. And, and, and that when, the way to know what it means is to know who's written it. That, that it's his, you know, one of the things we love to say, and I get it, I've said it before too, and I, I don't want to be that guy that's just picky about everything. But I do want to put things into context. A lot of times we'll say, well, what this verse means to me is, and again, I, you know, when we say it, I know why we mean that, but, but more important than what it means to me is to know the one that wrote it, because it's not nearly as significant what it means to me as what it means to the one that wrote it. To be able to say, when it really becomes powerful, it's when I'm able to say, I believe that when God wrote this, that this is what he was ex expressing from his heart. And, and in order to do that, we have to know him. We have to know him. We, as we get to know him, then we begin to understand him and his character. You know, in our world today, people are saying so many things, you know, that some guy that, you know, that he, he found a verse that fits his argument and he's cherry picked a verse out of a situation or a passage out of a situation and he uses that to espouse his great wisdom. And because... And it just amazes me sometimes how many times people are bought in, that, that they buy into this guy as he supposedly undercuts the value of, what's, of this God-breathed, unique book. It was written over a 1,500-year period of time. God used different people to write it. Sometimes people don't even know that. But it's, it's, it's a collection. It's, we, you know, we call it a book, but it's actually a collection of books and letters and things like that, that that have been inspired by the Holy Spirit. God breathed. It's, it's uncommon. And so, and so it, but it, tells, it has a common theme. And that's God's redemption of humanity. How the world was broken by our disobedience. And from the very beginning, God promised, I won't abandon you or neglect you. I see you. 
And I'm going to restore our relationship back together. That I'm going to take this broken, dark, lost world. And I'm going to send my only beloved son into it. And those that trust in him will be restored into that relationship that I intended for them to have. It's the common theme in this. I, I wrote some thoughts down here, and that is, is that, is that when we believe that this is God's word, that his breath is upon this book, it changes the way we see it. People don't, they don't understand that this is a God-breathed book, that his, his life is in it. Hebrews 4 says that it's quick, meaning it's alive, and it's powerful. If we understand that, then we read it differently. And the problem with a lot of times in the body of Christ that we haven't been told that and we don't get it, so we treat it like we would any other book. We treat it like it's common. And we don't let it define itself. We, we let others define it. And we, we make them the authority over this. And, and yet it was intended to be the authority in our life. And at that very moment, we realize it's not a common book. It's special. And, and so it impacts us. Now, I, I wrote this down. The Bible has more authority on who God is than any other book or any other person. He has more authority on who God is. In other words, like, you know, again, people would say, well, you know, this happened and, and I believe this is who God is. Well, okay, great. You know, maybe, you know, and there's other ways that God reveals himself. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. One of the ways is through nature and that type of thing. But ultimately, the, the way that he gives us the most clarity is through scripture. Now, I heard a guy say this a few weeks ago. And I thought it was good. You know, and I'm paraphrasing here. But, you know, some people, you know, that if he had chosen to given us, um, you know, like a movie or a play or just something like that, so that, you know, okay, that would have been great. But that's not what he did. He gave us a book. He gave us a book to, you know, he used that to reveal who he is. And so it's, it's the greatest. Uh, it has more authority on who God is than any other book or any other person. Also on who we were created to be and our relationship with him and what morality is. It isn't man's opinion on God. It's God revealing himself to us and how we were created to live. So it's, it's significant. I really need you to, to just, if you don't get anything else, to just grasp this. That this is uncommon. That it's God breathed. Unlike any other book that God's, that his very, that his very life comes out of this as we read it. And so number one is this, if you're taking notes, number one is this, is that God reveals who he is through his word. Let's, let's look at number two. Go with me, if you, you're in 2 Timothy 3, move a chapter before that, 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. And again, here's this guy writing this to this young man that he's mentoring, but also to people that are Christians today. And he said this in verse 8, he said, always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I'm willing to endure anything it will bring, uh, anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. Now listen to this. Work hard. Everybody say work hard. Work hard. 
Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Now, he's not saying work hard so you can have a relationship with God. We get that through Jesus. But he's talking about the calling on his life and what he's saying is you know, work, work hard in developing that. And then he closes that thought with saying, um, be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly, everybody say correctly, who correctly explains the word of truth. So he said, you know, work hard. The King James puts it this way. It says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So one of the things that happens is that when it comes to scripture, a lot of times, you know, that we just have so much convenience at, at our fingerprints. And I like that. I like that. I like the convenience, you know, and, and I'm great. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say this, but I, sometimes I'm in a hurry. I think this just like you have flesh and I'm like, that's not right. But like, if I go through a drive-thru and they ask me to pull up and they'll bring my food out to me, I'm like, you clearly don't know, what, know why I went through the drive-thru. I didn't go through the drive-thru so I could wait another several minutes. I went through the drive-thru because I was in a hurry. And sometimes just because it's convenient, but I'm usually in a hurry. And so, and so you know, it, it's one of those things that, that you know, you just, you just want to be able to say, but, it, but we're called to, to just study this and to work hard to say. So, so a lot of times people will, will come to me and they're like, you know, I just, I really wish I knew the Bible. But I just don't understand it. I understand it, you know, I really, so it's just really hard for me to understand and that type of thing. And, and so I'm going to, and so I don't know much about, so I'm going to tell, if, if that's where you're at right now, I want to encourage you, all of us start there. We all start there. Uh, you know, and part, you know, again, our stories are different. That's okay. It doesn't make me better or you worse or you better or me worse. It's, we have just different stories. I mean, we're here right now. We're in, we're in the same place. It's, it's, our beginnings may have been different, but God has brought us on the same path. That's a cool thing. But so my story is, is that I was raised in church and, uh, you know, in Claremore here, there are two churches that had an impact on my story. You know, on Sunday mornings, I went to Redeemer Lutheran with my parents and I, I still love that place greatly. And then on Wednesday nights, First Baptist or Youth Ministry and Sunday nights, it had a great impact on me. So both those churches will forever be dear to me. And so um, while I was in, in going to the Lutheran church in junior high in seventh and eighth grade, they do a thing called confirmation. And it's kind of, it was a two-year process for them where they teach you things, teach you about your relationship with God, teach you different scriptural things, and go through that. And one of the things that the pastor would do, and because I like sports and I really like competing, people say, well, you know, it doesn't matter who wins or loses, and my response is, then let me win. <laughs> you clearly don't care about it, and that, that's fine. I do. I don't care if you forfeit, as long as you say, I forfeit, you win, we're good. <laughs> if you're like, ah, I just don't feel like playing right now, we're not good. You need to, I need to hear the words, I forfeit, come out of your mouth, and then I'm satisfied. You're like, something's wrong with you. I'm not denying that. I mean, I get it, okay? I live with me. But he would do this thing, and, and it, was, it was competitive, and it was centered around football, and so, you know, it, he had me. It was kind of like I said, if I was a kid and you wanted to entice me, you either had to offer chocolate bars or some competition built around football. They'd be like, that's the 15th time that you've been enticed. Well, they keep offering chocolate bars and football. So anyway... And so he, uh, there were no chocolate bars, but there was competition about football. So every week he would say, turn to, you know, turn to a different scripture. He'd have us turn to a scripture. And, we, and the first one that got there would begin to read it out loud. So you're in this room full of students, you read it out loud. And then, uh, you know, and then afterwards he had this chart and you got so many yards if you were the one that got there first and read the scripture out loud. And, and eventually you'd score touchdowns. And so, man, this was right up my alley. I loved this game. But I can't tell you how many times he might say like, 
hey, turn to 2 Corinthians 5.17. And so I would turn there real quick and I would start reading it. And, and, you know, everybody else just kind of listened to me read. And I'm like, you know, this, I don't know how this fits with this. And finally he goes, are, are you reading 2 Corinthians 5.17? I go, yeah. And he goes, that's 2 Chronicles 5.17. And Chronicles 5.17. And it's in the Old Testament. I need to be in the New Testament. Well, you should be clearer then. I mean, it was what I wanted to say. And so, you know, it, but it was one of those things that, that to me, I didn't know there was a difference between Chronicles and Corinthians. Now, over time I did. Over time I learned that, you know, 2 Corinthians came after 1 Corinthians and before Galatians. The, no one that came after 1 Corinthians was the easy part. But, um, but I, I knew that. And so, but I, it took time. I, I had to engage with it. Well, it's hard. I know. I, I, I know it is. It's, you know, that it's, the Bible's a different book. And one of the reasons it's hard is because it is different. It's not a one and done. It, it, it's a lifelong companion. That, that's a part of our story, a part of our journey that God's constantly revealing things to us. And, and there are days I read it and, and I get more things out of it. Now, this is gonna be a horrible comparison and some of you, I'm gonna upset your apple cart and just pray for me. But anytime I've watched a Will Ferrell movie, the first time I watch it, I'm kind of like, eh. But the fourth time, that's when it's funny. You know what I mean? It's, well, you know, um, scripture, as I, as I read it, it, it reveals itself to me. It, it's, it's a living book. God's breath is upon it. And so, and so we get that, you know, um, and we say this around here, and I'll say it forever because I think it's just so important that, you know, that Jesus didn't come because humanity needed another religion. He came so that we could have a relationship with him. And we like that. We, you know, we're, we're grateful. We nod and we acknowledge that type of thing. But I, but I really think we lose sight of the, of the word relationship and what that means and what it entails, you know, we, we get this, like when I share the story about Tina and I, that uh, I was, I, I went to Bible school and after Bible school was over, I started working at that Bible school and, and there was a friend of mine that I worked with there and his wife was a hairstylist and this was back when my hair needed styling. And so I would go to her and she would cut my hair and there was a, a girl from California that had moved from California on her own at like 20 or 21 years old by herself to go to the Bible school that I was working at. When I first walked in there, I thought, man, she's pretty. And so that's the depth of, of my thing at that time. And so I'm like, she's pretty. So I put my best game on there. I had my Mac working on it. So I mean, I'm just like, you know, and so, and she like wanted nothing to do with me. But I'm kind of slow to be discouraged. And so I just kind of kept, I kept going back in there. And after a couple of years, um, I'm just, hey, you got your way. I got mine, Okay. It's because you're smooth and knock it out in 15 minutes. For some of us, it takes a few years, okay? It's like, so, uh, but I was, <laughs> I was so effective that after, you know, after kind of just like being dissonant and ignoring me that, you know, she probably thought either restraining order or go out with this guy. So, I mean, so she, and, you know, to her credit, you know, she wise up, she, she actually asked me out and I'm like, what took you so long? So, um, so, but, you know, we went out and, and, uh, <laughs> And it just so happened that I found out where she lived, because I looked it up in a phone book, and um, I was driving by her house one day, and she was carrying a basket, and we were, we were scheduled to go out the next day, but I was driving by her house one day, 
Uh, and for whatever reason, I had to go by her house 17 times that day. And so when I went by, she was carrying a basket of clothes. You call it stalking. I call it checking out. So anyway, so, so, I, I, you know, I, so I pulled over. I said, hey, what are you doing? So I'm going to go do laundry. I said, you know, I'll, I'll go with you. I'm going to go get a coffee or something like that. And she's like, okay. So we went, oh, uh, so we, she dropped her laundry off. We went and got a cup of coffee. And we were supposed to have our date the next day. And from that day on, we, um, we saw each other every day except for one day until we got married. Now, initially, when I saw her from a distance, I knew her, or I knew who she was, and just by seeing her from a distance, there were just a few things that I knew about her, but I could have made a lot of other presumptions and thought things about her that weren't true. It, it wasn't until I began to engage with her personally that I began to discover things about who she is and what matters to her over time. And we get that about each other. But I'm amazed at how many people have never really taken the time to really engage with God and with his heart and see him from a distance and presume to know who he is and why he does what he does just by what they observe from a distance. There's all sorts of things that take place in our world. All sorts of things that take place in our life and and some people that, are, that are, they keep their distance from God want to presume to know why he does what he does and who he is. And what even amazes me is that sometimes Christians that claim to know who he is are taken in by those that don't know him at all. That they want to describe him. Because from a distance, they've seen what they think he's doing or what he's done but they don't really know him. And that's not a criticism. I'm, I'm not being judgmental. It's just, it's just true. There've been seasons in my life where I've watched him from a distance. But as I begin to move closer to him and engage with him and spend time with him, I mean, he's never gonna know me any better than he does right now. He knows me, but, but me on the other hand, I get to know him as I engage with him and, as, and begin to see who he is and what he's like. You know, over the years and in mine and Tina's marriage, we've had these different moments and these, these different things. And we had an issue. I shared this in the last service, and then I shared it in um, third service uh, a couple of weeks ago. But we had this, this wild incident take place the other night. We were, we were at home, and in our house, kind of our kitchen is open up to where you can see the TV and stuff like that. And so it'd be kind of a long day, and so it's kind of late in the evening. And so I was sitting in this recliner, and, and uh, our recliner is kind of, it's, the back of it is against the kitchen. So I'm just watching TV, and, and it's, you know, 1030 or 11 or something. Tina's making herself a little something. And so my back is to her, and then she puts it in, and uh, I think she had like an a, a air fryer and that served as a toaster as well. And so she goes in the other room, and then I'm just watching TV, and after a couple of minutes, I hear her come out, and she very calmly goes, oh, no. Well, I didn't think anything about it because it didn't seem like there was a lot of panic, but I, it smelled like maybe some toast was burning or something like that. I thought, that happens every night. My wife, and by the way, my wife, she is an exceptional cook. She's phenomenal. But that, that happens, and so then I hear this noise in the background, and she's like, oh, my gosh, and it sounded a little bit more panicky, so when I turned around, there is a flame coming out of this thing. I'm not talking about, I mean, there's a flame coming out of this. And my first thought was, we're, we're, our house is burning down. And so I told myself, I'm like, it's okay. 
It's okay, be patient. You know, so, so I get up and I walk back there to her and she's got this, she'd closed the door of the tosher whatever, which was smart because that will smother it. But she's taken a towel and beating it. And when she does, the infusion of oxygen causes the flame to kind of keep coming out, which causes her to hit it again. And every now and then she would hit it and knock the door open, which oxygen would just go in there and the flame would shoot out again. And now it's like shooting up in the air. And I'm, I'm, so I'm like, well, we need to unplug it. I'm, I'm trying to be calm. I'm like, well, we, we need to unplug it. And she goes, I, I did. I said, okay, good. So she keeps hitting. I said, and pops over and said, would you stop doing that? And she goes, okay. And so she said, do we need to take it outside? Well, here, here's the problem. I haven't revealed this to you yet. I was in my underwear. And so I'm like, <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, I, we're, we live backed up to the highway. And, and I know that we are rednecks and hillbillies. And so, but, but this is just going to validate to everybody who we are. Now, my wife, when you see her, you know, she's, she's really pretty and, you know, she's, you know, she's, you know, she looks, she looks just kind of, you know, look petite and that kind of stuff, but she's like fearless. And so, which is good. Um, cause one of us ha has to be afraid. So, um, so I said, do we have potholders or something like that that we can, we can grab hold of? And, and she was like, well, I got these towels. And again, keep in mind, man, this flame is like, it's shooting up around us. And so she, she grabs hold of these two towels and very bravely is carrying it. We have a, the, our patio is connected to our, the kitchen door that's connected, the door that's connected to our kitchen. While I boldly go over in front of her and, and hold open the door and stand behind the door while she carries it outside. I had my underwear on, okay? I mean, before you judge me. So, so finally, uh, she, sits it on the, she sits it on the concrete, and I'm like, oh, thank God. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, she picks it up and tosses it in the backyard. And it's still on fire. I'm like, why did you do that? And I mean, now the grass is on fire. So I'm like, the grass is on fire. What's wrong with you? And so, so she goes, yeah, I guess I shouldn't have done that. I'm like, yeah. And so she grabs hold of the cord and pulls the cord across. So she's dragging this on-fire equipment across our backyard and now streams of a fire. And I'm like, you're not leaving much choice. I'm going I'm to have to go out here and put this fire out in my whitey tidies while the rest of the neighbors are, are watching the two hillbillies try to do this thing. And so she grabs the towel, man, and goes out and just smothers the fire. So we got black stuff all over, all over our yard, putting the fire out. I mean, that thing is turned over on our patio. Cars are driving by on the highway back there. I'm out there in my underwear looking around, you know. And, and, and finally, we just kind of look at each other after this fire's finally put out. And then we bend over and just laugh probably for the next six or seven minutes. I mean, in one moment, it was the most intense, anxiety-filled scary thing. I mean, our, I thought, our, I mean, we have smoke damage on our cabinets. And, and just, and we, then later on that night, we're laying in bed and she's like, you're going to use this in a sermon, aren't you? And I go, I am. And so, and actually what I was going to do is take a picture of it and put it on like Instagram and say, there's a story behind this, but she knows me so well. She got up at midnight, went out on the patio, picked it up and threw it away. She's like, I'm not giving you that kind of evidence. So we did that. Now, we laughed, and it was one of those things, and, and yes, I've told that story often, and um, I don't feel a bit guilt about it, but, um, 
But if, it, you know, turned into a serious moment, for if somebody didn't know her and they were looking at her from a distance, it would be easy for them to think she's an arsonist. I mean, everything she does, you, are you not, is the fire not big enough for you? I mean, you know, what's going on? And they could presume by watching that moment, one, that one incident, who she is. And now I spend every day with her. I've seen her in the good times. I've seen her in the bad. I've seen her when her life is good. I've seen her when our marriage is good. I've seen her when she's glad she married me. And I've seen her whenever I've incredibly disappointed her. I know her. I couldn't make a decision on who she is based upon that one moment, that one act. Even if I'd have been there, I'd I'd have known that story, but I wouldn't have known her. I only got to know her by spending time with her every day. Good times, bad times, fun times, hard times, sometimes combination of the two. And we get that. There's not a person here that when I share that with you, because you have people like that in your life, that people may know them for a moment or may have seen them in a minute, but they don't know them like you do. And we understand that when it comes to each other, but for whatever reason, when it comes to God, we lose sight of the fact that a relationship with him is no different. That it's getting to know him. It's spending time with him. It's engaging with him. And there's not a book that's a greater authority on who he is than the scripture. And so by spending time in that regularly, reading that, not as a common book, but understanding that God's breath is on it. And we begin to hear that. And we begin to read it. And we read it differently. And yes, sometimes it's hard to understand. Yes, sometimes it's hard to do. But one of the reasons why it's hard is because it's different. But the reason why it's also special is because it's different. It's the different that makes it special. And so we have to study to show ourselves approved that we have to engage with it. And God reveals over time who he is. We, We can't judge him based upon one moment, one incident, one thing that we see in scripture. And as we begin to read it, we begin to tie it in to the whole theme, the whole thread of, oh, oh, okay, I get that now. Oh, okay, that makes sense now. As opposed to taking this one moment, well, you know, this is what God is. No, no, no. You've got to understand the whole theme, the, the whole thing about it. But you don't learn that overnight. And here's another little secret. You never get there. You never get to the end of it in this lifetime. There's never a moment where you look at that and go, it can't teach me anything else. It takes Time to engage. It's, it's his word, his life speaking to me. It's, it's who he is. It's, it's all of that. We, we should read it differently because it is different. It's different. So if you're taking notes, the way we understand the Bible is we study it. Let's look at number three and we'll close with this. Go to, with me to James 1. It's a few books after 2 Timothy. After 2 Timothy's Titus and Philemon, then Hebrews and James. James was, he was a half-brother of Jesus. And so he wrote this letter. And he said in verse 22. James 1.22, he said, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. 
Don't just listen to it. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is, and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look a lot, what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And so I, I was, I needed, like, I wanted to kind of put this in context. So I was looking for a mirror this morning and I, I grabbed this from our bathroom. I hope my wife doesn't need it today. But anyway, so here's the thing is that I, I got this and, it, and, and how many of you have used a mirror today? Let me see your hands. If you used a mirror today, let me see your hand. Some of you don't have your hands up and the rest of us can tell, yes, you didn't use one. So here's the thing <laughs> is that he compares scripture to this. He, he said that he said that it, he said you, you've got to do it, not just hear it, but do it. He said, if you, if you hear it, but don't do it, you're fooling yourself. If you listen to the word and don't obey it, he says, it's like glancing, uh, glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. In other words, you see yourself, but you don't make any adjustments. There's nothing different. You know, all of us have put on a shirt before and just and looked at it. Is, it. is it wrinkled? Am I going to wear it? You know, oh, that's a stain and, and that kind of thing. And, and, and just, you know, we make a decision in that moment. Like, is, is, this, is this, you know, what I look like and that, that type of thing. And, and yet he compares scripture to that, that we, we hold scripture up to our life and we don't adjust the mirror. We adjust us. A lot of people want to take their lives and say, well, the mirror is wrong. No, it's not the mirror that's wrong. It's not, it's not the scripture that's wrong. We, we, we weren't created to make, to make sure that scripture is created in our image. But, but we look at this now, and, and so this is an, it's the number one opinion on who God is. It's also the number one opinion, the most, I don't say that, it's the most important opinion on who God is, the most important opinion on who we were created to be. And so on the one hand, it tells me that without Jesus that I'm lost. I'm doomed. But with Jesus, I have a relationship with God. I receive forgiveness and I become a new creature in Christ and old things are passed away and all things become new. So I make an adjustment based upon what the mirror of his word tells me. Some of you have been told by people whose voices should have been encouraging, that they should have loved you, they should have seen the gifts in you, they should have seen the things in you that make you unique and what God has created you for. And yet in their own brokenness or their own insecurities, that they said things about you that weren't true. And so you left that place thinking that, I guess I'm not called because I'm that broken. Or how could God ever use me? And yet Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 of the New Living Translation says that we are his masterpiece. Yeah, but, but they said I'm not. I know, but they're not the mirror. His word is the mirror. But I have these flaws. Well, you're a masterpiece. Those aren't flaws. They're brushstrokes from the master who created the masterpiece. And so we hold ourselves up to it, and, and all of a sudden it, it's put there. Not, not again so that we can adjust it where it fits what, what, our, what we want and what we like. And I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. No, no, no. As believers, we come to this. And because this is different than any other book. It's God breathed. His life is upon it. Then when we hold it up, we don't adjust it. It adjusts us. It impacts us. 
And so we understand this right here, that the Bible should impact our decisions. The way that we live, the, the decisions we make. That no matter if culture says this is okay, what does the mirror of his word say? That impacts us. Number three, the Bible should impact our decisions. Man, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a minute. Let's just spend a moment with God. And, you know, for some of us, maybe, maybe you've never considered that the scripture is, it's, it's not like any other book. And you've been reading it like it's not different. But it's different. It's God breathed. And, and there's not a, there's not a hack. There's, there's not a quick fix. You, you study it. And as you study, you become familiar with it. And as you become familiar with it, you become familiar with the one who wrote it. And you rightly defied what he said. Let's just spend a moment with God and just, as he gives us God thoughts, as he whispers to our thoughts, and we respond, let's just spend a moment with him.